Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us. I am your host, Game Goblin, alongside... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And we're back for more role-playing game shenanigans at your tabletop. Yay! So this week, we are going to do something a little different, as we incorporate this thing known as... Oh, oh, he's using a word. I'm using a word. Diversity. But this is the correct kind of diversity. <laughs> okay, okay. Inclusivity, diversity, all that stuff. Anybody who listens to more than one episode of us knows that we do not like the current geopolitical stratum of force-feeding everybody to like everything that's force-fed to them. Because right now, everything fucking tastes like Brussels sprouts in <laughs> the, the climate of diversity. and Worse yet, pickled Brussels sprouts. Pickled pig's feet. Those are good, actually. It's like drinking a bacon and pomegranate flavored soda and being told I like it. <laughs> Finally, two great flavors together at last in your favorite soda, carbonated for your enjoyment. Bacon pomegranate soda. No, I don't want to drink that. No. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about, of course, is we're going to get back to our roots. I know that the PS5 and the X-Bone have just released. I hear about it every day. We've seen the lines. Uh, yeah, I've heard about people being body checked in the line at our uh, local mall by an oh, employee yeah. there. I have an inside source now at that place. <laughs> and he vents to me very often about the horrible shit that happens behind the scenes. Oh. Stuff I'm not allowed to exactly say without giving away who my contact is, but networking always starts with a, a one person. So we're going to our roots. We're avoiding the console wars right now and talking about rolling dice. In any way, shape, or form. We're talking sci-fi, we're talking high fantasy, low fantasy, that weird fantasy you don't tell anyone outside of your game group. We're going... <laughs> all over the place with this because we're talking about how many different races species genetic background aliens fantasy fae folk any of that what is the good number to run in your game i mean we don't want to be like the mandalorian where every planet apparently has jawas and twi'leks and fucking zabrax but you never see any of the other fun random races twi'leks are just there because everybody has a fetish for them well yeah yeah i mean I do not blame the fandom for having a fetish for Twi'leks. My favorite happens to be the, the pale one in Return of the Jedi. The one in Jabba's Palace? The one in Jabba's Palace. Not Una, because she was blue. But I'm talking about the one that had uh, white skin. It was just like, she rolled around in like a bucket of cream before putting the costume on. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's part of my fetish for Asian gals anyway, but you know, seeing an Asian gal with like tubes on her heads just like totally makes it all the better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't remember her name. He's going to look it up anyway. Uh, but the thing that I find in role-playing that's important is to have a large cast of characters and a race, as we all know, because I've been playing a lot of Star Trek, Star Trek uses races as a kind of a metaphor 
for the way we act as people. You have, of course, Ferengi, who are, by and large, what you can expect when you meet a Ferengi is to see somebody rubbing their hands together and cackling madly. And obsessed with profits. And obsessed with profits. When you meet a Klingon, you expect to meet somebody who's going to say the word honor every other sentence. Big, beefy, muscly, yeah. honor, honor. Least. When you meet a Romulan <laughs> in space, you can expect to meet somebody who's going to be duplicitous and or probably um, really good at getting information they shouldn't have. Right? Yep. Yeah. You can expect these things. And races in Dungeons and Dragons or Starfinder or Warcraft or anything is a way for us, uh, as story crafters, as game masters, or even as players, to get a feel for uh, stories that include... Okay, so she's a light blue. That include metaphors <laughs> for our, our groups. So when you run into a tribe of orcs, and yes, I'm using orcs specifically for a reason here, when you run into orcs, you can expect them to be brutish, violent, might-makes-right kinds of society. And, of course, players break the mold on this all the time. That's fantastic. That's great. Players should break the mold. Right. But you can use this as an example if you're running a game and you want to put, like, a moral of the story in all 1980s style into your game, that, like, the group encounters a bunch of orcs, is to try to educate the orcs that might doesn't make right or the destructive properties of such a governmental system. Or to have the orcs save the day because they just so happen to go to war with the evil overlord and outnumber his army two to one. Also possible. And, also, you know, yeah. you know, let's talk about the orc might makes might. Or, might makes right. Yes. Because of words. Fuck them. Um, but... If you think about it, with a character, with a culture that is so focused on martial prowess, and you know, I've seen fan theories that say when you help someone without being asked, you deny them their chance for growth. Right? This would be a, a governing philosophy in orc culture, and at the same token, orc field medics—they're the good ones. They're the ones you want because there is no greater dishonor than dying of infection. I'm sorry, I just... I, I don't know why, but when you mentioned orc field medics, I suddenly had flashbacks <laughs> to a very old TV show before your time called M.A.S.H. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I just imagined B.J. Honeycutt as an orc. <laughs> but oh. that would be something you could do in your game. It's totally flip it on its side. I mean, yeah, you could run a game where you go into a medic camp and basically have a M.A.S.H. unit... Who's all made of orcs, and it totally turns the trope of all violent and brutish on their nose, on their side, or whatever. Oh no, they'll still they'll still wreck a motherfucker. Oh, they'll still wreck a motherfucker. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is nothing better in my mind right now than thinking of that old battle axe fucking head nurse being a fucking orc, and she's like, "You will stay in bed." <laughs> <laughs> that that really makes um Winchester. <laughs> really interesting as a character if you were just to replace him with orc face because <laughs> that guy was just such a twat <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is races are important to your fantasy game because you do get to explore different things uh, as he's going through pictures here actually one of them comes up and is a good example as to the evolution of a different race and we have a Rodian in the background on this picture, and by lore in Star Wars. So if you're running a Star Wars game, knowing the lore of the 
uh, Galaxy is good, uh, maybe somebody at Disney might take that as a hint. Uh, anyway, Rodians started out as a warlike people. They would travel in tribes and just constantly wage war on each other in mass slaughter and killing. In the Star Wars universe, as we see them during uh, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, the Hulk, original, the yeah, original no. trilogy, and even the prequel trilogy, Rodians are actually some of the best movie makers in the galaxy. They put on some of the best plays, some of the best operas. They have some of the best music. They are almost as good as any other entertainer you can hope to encounter. And this is because their warlike nature had led them to a point where they realized that if they continued on, they would all die. Nobody would win the war in the end. So they started doing mock battles as entertainment. And these mock battles got more and more like gladiatorial arena, like in Roman style. And elaborate, I'm sure. And more elaborate costuming, more elaborate weapons, better production values, and eventually it just became cinema. Yeah. And now you have Rodian actors who are playing all sorts of roles, but it all goes and heralds back to their roots as being a warlike tribal society. And that makes them interesting as a species. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it, it, evolution, you know, cultural and physical evolution are things that happen over time, over generations. And you, exactly like this, you know, the Rodian example... They spent several generations, it sounds like, quite a few, changing. Millennia. Yeah, they changed a war practice into cinema. Yeah, they, they started out as mock battles because they realized that real battles were going to wipe out their species. Now, you know who I found out recently after deep diving into lore about the different races? In Star Wars, uh, the Togruta. They would be my number one pick for space orcs. Jim Hadar. Well, no, I'm talking about in Star Wars. Oh, in Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the Tegruda, their thing literally is, you will die when you cannot keep up on the hunt. Poisonous bites, a warlike culture, but they also had some of the best artists. Totally orcs in my mind. True. Yeah, true. stands to reason. Absolutely. I, I think that the whole idea of taking races and balancing all the stats out so nobody has any negatives... Is complete and utter bullshit. Agreed. It's anathema to the actual idea of there being differences between people. Yeah. Think about dogs. Some dogs are really good at jumping down a rabbit's warren and, you know, pulling a rabbit out, right? That's Some a- of them are really great at going and running a motherfucker down. I'm looking at you, Russian bear dogs, best animal ever created. And, you know, there's others that are, you know, they're good at herding. They... They deal with sheep, they deal with prey animals, and they do it Are we inciting the fact that there is a biological difference between different breeds of dogs? <laughs> no, 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 it's all just economic be, factors. I, I know it's all education and economic factors. That, that is the difference between a Dutch hound and a sheep dog. Yeah. Uh, or just, a chihuahua. I'm just saying, though, we're <laughs> treading on some really uh, thin ice right now, guys. <laughs> what I'm just saying is... Crunch. There are, you don't have to put the differences in, oh, all orcs are dumb. No, there are some smart-ass orcs. We can look in the lore of, take what you want, D&D, some of the Pathfinder lore, of intelligent orcs. We oh, yeah. even have orcs in the Elder Scrolls lore. 
that yeah. are completely sociable and just on par with everybody else. They're just they, bigger and muscular. Well, they're bigger and muscular, but this all heralds back to when Trinomat got eaten and crapped out of Boethia in the lore and became Malakath. They still worship Trinomat now as Malakath, but the orcs are on par with everybody else. But even in the Elder Scrolls lore, there's a difference between the orcs, who are an offshoot of races, uh, of the elven race, uh, they were elves beforehand, then the whole Boethia thing happened, then they became Orsimer. They're still an offshoot of elves, but there's still a difference between Bosmer elves, Ultimary elves, Chimer elves, Dunmer elves, and orcs that all separate and differentiate themselves, not just by flesh tone, size, eye color, and hair. They all have racial differences because when you have different groups who live in different geographical regions for an extremely long time... Or they have different origination points. Yeah, they tend to diverge. Yeah. Think, think about it just... Differences are not a bad thing. Because differences, even within those groups... Think right. about it. They're Like you were just going off on, there's a bunch of different types of elves. Right? They're all elves at the end of the day, but high elves are snooty assholes, and wood elves are the great people to party with. And no, then... <laughs> I don't think you'd want to uh, party with the Bosmer. Probably not. <laughs> um, it, it's actually a lot of fun, because... Oh, I'm talking Tolkien wood elves. Okay, Tolkien wood elves. Tolkien wood elves are pretty... Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're the party elves. They're the party elves. They're, they're the party elves. Even if we look in <clears throat> Dragonlance, right? You had the Mountain Dwarves, the Hill Dwarves, and the Gully Dwarves. Yeah, Gully Dwarves may have not been that smart and all that stuff, but you know what? There were a few of them, I remember, in the first book of uh, Autumn Twilight Dragons, or whatever the fuck it was, where, yeah, they actually knew what the fuck was going on. They had their own, you know, shamans or whatever. They had... They had their own culture. Variation within the group, but they were still like, yo, we're, we're fucking dwarves, you know? But the difference is what makes things better. It and does, you can't it really does. force it... Because then things just end up becoming a lot harder for everyone. And it goes against yeah. the things that, you know, actually make the diversity thing great. And, you know, let's let's also take a look at party dynamics, right? A good party dynamic is balanced because it has a fighter, a wizard, a rogue, some sort of ranged support, be that magic or something. Right? That's your, your core group is those four people. Who all have a widely divergent set of skills. Exactly. Nope. See, now the way they're going to do it in 5.5 or 6 or whatever the fuck they're calling it, basically it's going to be a whole bunch of party of individuals who are all going to be vanilla the same, nothing is different. I bet they're going to go so far as to have a version where you can't even have stat blocks. It's going to be just like a classless, no stat fucking roleplay sheet. Basically. At that point you're playing Munchkin. No, at that point, you're playing Amber, which has already had its time in the limelight. Yeah, like, that's just the thing of... The, with the way we're seeing things going, where they're not embracing the fact that people have their differences and we should just accept that. Even when it comes to the fantasy races. Because, think about it, how many games have we been in where goblins, as we have one here, uh, aren't always just mindless, evil little fucks. They can be the ch most charming little fuckers ever. Like Peck Peck, like um, what what was the what was that other one we had? I'm not exactly sure. I was just basically thinking about the last time I ran Stump. a game. 
Yeah, there was Stump. Stump. That's it. Uh, the last <laughs> time I ran a game where there's goblins as a major playable race, they were the counterbalance to gnomes. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're both small, tinkering, sort of mechanically inclined. Yeah, gnomes races. were known to tell funny haha jokes, and goblins were known to tell not so funny and kind of painful jokes. You know, they were the counterbalance uh, to what you typically think of as a gnome. So if you just reverse what you know of a gnome, uh, sociologically speaking, you had a goblin, pretty much. There was very little difference between the two in their stats, blocks, or size, or any of that. Yeah, and like the other thing that, that I think brought, is worth bringing up is I think there's an, you know, there's crazy wackadoo theories out there that the two of them just diverged. One went right and one went left. Yeah. And it's basically true, because, like, when you think about it, you know, a gnome expresses themselves with their funny, neato hair, right? Galaxy-colored and shit. Yeah, gnomes like to... No, I think that's just we had a player who did that. Well, we have... I mean, it's we also have... possible. There's it's... probably other players who have done it, but I get where he's going on this, yeah. because there are people who like to use gnomes as either they're the sour curmudgeon who's basically like a fake rump, Mm-hmm. And then you have the ones who are just wild and free and enjoying every moment of life. And it makes them different than the human who's wild and free and enjoying... Or the halfling. Or the halfling. Yeah, they have different backgrounds. They have different experiences growing up. Mm-hmm. And just being a separate race is just another layer of what makes them unique from each other. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, orcs are strong, right? But that's not all they are. They can be intelligent. They're yeah. orc philosophers. Just because you don't see it in most mainstream stuff where they have to boil it down for the sake of budget. You know, when you get into game groups, we have a half-orc in my campaign, and he is the most loving, super religious guy. It is the moniker playing him, mind you. Ha! <laughs> Good stuff. But but still, you know, it's not just, oh, orc, dumb, strong, er, no, he's a half-orc, which again is a whole other separate category because the half-species are a thing. Because humans but, will fuck anything. Or they don't even have to be human. It could be half dwarf, half orc, which would be really weird. It's a dork. <laughs> yes, that's the gem. <laughs> yeah, you know, half elf, half halfling, you know, a quarterling, um, half fay, any of that stuff. I'm half elf, half man. I'm a milf. How many of those edgy, <laughs> edgy teenagers or thirty-year-olds have we all met that want to play a half angel, half demon? Oh Jesus, fuck me, Christ. Yeah, well, don't even get me started. They're on the level of Dritz at that point. Or you so. get, of course, um, and of course, going with the topic we're on as far as role playing and fantasy creatures, uh, there's always, if you want to be the person who has race absolutely define everything your character does, the way they think, the way they act, how they interact with others, just play a half elf. Yep. Because apparently, every half elf is solely designed. To be just a walking definition of their parents screwed. <laughs> That's it. it but I he's do, not wrong. I, I really do love a game with fantasy races in it. I really do love a game where I'm in space and I meet somebody who is distinctly, uniquely different than my character. Maybe they're stronger. Maybe they can survive the vacuum of space. Maybe they can see in the dark. Right. It and, makes things interesting. And like, especially with space-centric games... Half of the fun is exploration, is exploring the universe and doing stuff and interacting with neato new cultures and shit. That's like half the fun of any space-based RPG. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and the same the... logic can be applied to fantasy as well. In the Imagine same how way. scary Xenomorphs would be in the Alien series. If Xenomorphs were not defined by racial stats at all. They had the same base attributes as a human. Oh, oh and no God. racial modifiers. So that sneaking on the walls crap they can't do. And, oh, and they don't get acidic blood. No, no, no. Because that, that deviates from the norm. <laughs> right? I mean, how scary would they be if they were just basically humans in costumes? Aliens oh, would have sucked. And if you want a terrible antagonist who is not human, xenomorphs are terrifying. Yeah, they are. They're, they're hugely terrifying. If you suspend disbelief and take into account that something like this could exist, they become horrifying. But if you go by the current D&D rules and just wipe away the slate clean and leave their character sheet as basically a human with a point flavor text. With flavor text, they suck. Predators suck. The T one thousand or the liquid terminator would just T two thousand. Yeah, the T two thousand. They would just why? And like that's definitely an important thing. It's like your commentary on like suspension of disbelief, right? That is the exact reason I am terrified of the Zerg swarm. Like that shit is horrifying. Well, by the Fermi Paradox, uh, approximately 32 species could exist within our galaxy. Which means there's a 1 in 32 chance, I believe, roughly, that something out there already does exist. Yeah. yeah. It's a small, minuscule, tiny, and I mean, our galaxy is fuck all huge. Yeah. But, yeah, Zerg, Xenomorphs. Er, Xenomorph dragons. Space dragons. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go hunt. Having different down. races, there's a place that sells minis. They're like sixty bucks. The the only aside I can uh, formulate as to why not to have different races at your game table, why you should play a human centric only game or whatever, is you get the fucking snowflake player. Oh yeah, who wants oh. to play something that's so specialist from everybody else that their character's like half drow, half orc, half dragon, part angel with some sprinkles and cherries on the side, half-calf, half-decaf, and oh, let me add my own whipped cream. Yeah, you get the specialist snowflake character who wants to play the most unique racial phenotype possible. Oh, yeah, and their grandfather was a uh, beholder, which makes him uh, part sorcerer. Yeah. Somehow. And, Ugh. yeah. You, you get the specialist snowflake syndrome. I can totally understand that. I have gone through that phase. We all playing. have. Every every role player goes through the phage of playing phage. <laughs> the untouchable. <laughs> the untouchable. <laughs> it's pretty much a phage, but they've gone through the phase of playing the specialist snowflake. Everybody's done it. Everybody's gone through the power gamer phase. But we should have different races and not get rid of stat blocks, or not get rid of the negatives with stat blocks. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's how you play around them that makes a character great. Like, the whole idea behind point by is oh well I want to be better than average in these areas and I don't mind being I less than average point by whether or not you like it is kind of beside the point about it's just a point that you know part of what makes those characters interesting is that they're not good at everything that there is a problem that there is a penalty right that's part of the reason we play games to begin with whether it's board games dice games card games is there is a challenge if we're playing a role-playing game and there's no challenge because your characters have no negatives, everything they do has a positive, you're basically just playing Mary Sue's. You're playing Wish Fulfillment. Right? I 
I, I don't see why I should play a character who has absolutely no negatives. And even in my old age, I incorporate negatives into my characters. Yeah. It's become subconscious now that I give my character some quirk. If I have no numerical value to say, I'm not as good at talking. Or I'm not as good at shooting. In our, uh, he knows, Castle mm -hmm. uh, Cat here, in our Starfinder game, I have just willy-nilly have decided my character is a pugilist. I don't use a gun. In a space game. <laughs> with lasers and rocket launchers and shit. Fucking and I mix. prefer to run across the battlefield and punch a motherfucker in the face. Or the nads. Or the nads. And my strength skill is crap. <laughs> it is garbage. But the dragon, the half dragon in the party, just like bitch. Yeah, the half dragon in the party just slaps people around. But I run up and I like sucker punch him and pull Mortal Kombat moves because the longer the fight lasts, the more interesting it is. <laughs> Having, I, I give myself negatives, right? Because it's fun to challenge myself, right? And there's, there's always going to be on you know a character side and a secondarily on a species side, is. There will always be a major focus, and they will set aside something else. And the two of them may or may not be linked. Like, for example, a good warrior, right? Let's take uh, an elf warrior, right? An elf warrior, okay. They never focused on cooking, so they're not the ones you want to have making dinner, ever. You know... Lethal water, bad shit. They can burn a, a pot of water. I've known people like that in real life. That's actually a good negative to have. Yeah, yeah, I've known people like that in real life too, and that's why I had to learn to cook. And but the point is, right, that you know they can be a fantastic warrior. Like in battle, they're just doing their battle bullshit and dancing around foes and doing whatever elves do with battle. Uh, elves usually prance in the moonlight naked. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have much reference for elven culture. <laughs> usually they're a delicacy in my cave. I've had many elves over for dinner, but to actually ingratiate Male, myself, female, he's, he doesn't care. I don't care, no. no. <laughs> I, I am a all-opportunity come-into-my-house-and-have-dinner-and-be-dinner kind of goblin. <laughs> especially with elves. They have good taste. And at the same time, right, you might barbecue with hot sauce. Oh, lots of hot sauce. At the same time, you can have, say, an orc wizard, right? Twist the trope a little bit, you know? Stupid orc strong. No. Yeah, orc wizards are typically, when I've seen them play, the putting the trope on its ear kind of thing, because usually they're intelligent or they're not well-spoken. They're still orcs. They still speak dumb sometimes, but they just have that idiot savant a capability of figuring stuff out, and magic hey. happens to be what they figured out. And and that works too, right? But like, that might be your cook. Why? Because he actually paid attention. He likes to cook because it's tasty, right? He likes to experiment with it. You know, full chef mode, just experiment, and. Uh, Cooking like form of battle. <laughs> exactly, right? And that is a perfectly valid take on it. You know, it could be anything and anything. And then, of course, you're gonna get the the elves like, eh? And that's I'll fine. hand you some berries. 
Exactly. Dingle not included. <laughs> Dingle not included. True. <laughs> no, I find that races uh, being wildly divergent from each other, uh, even as stat blocks, is a very important part of the character creation process. Absolutely. If you want to min-max, sure, I'm playing an Asimar, which is one of the easiest races to min-max. And Killed if it. I want to make a battle Asimar or a wizard Asimar or a oracle Asimar or a rogue, it's pretty easy to find the right stat block to make my character more powerful in those regards. And that's, you know, just in the Asimar trope, that's like six subspecies in Pathfinder? There's a bunch of different subspecies. Or I could even go one step further since I'm playing a role-playing game. Da-da! R-O-L-E. I could say my lineage is completely completely different and maybe I'm from the justice side the angelic spectrum rather than the vengeance side and I play a rogue instead well that's a pretty interesting start and I have negatives of course because I'm an Asimar I don't got quite a bit of constitution or stuff and since I'm playing justice side I probably don't get the dex bonus I get more of a strength bonus or a wisdom bonus and people would be like why are you playing a uh, Asimar or that kind, you don't get the best numbers, and you're like, well, because for me, justice is finding secrets that people want to hide away, which is why I decided to become a locksmith. See? So there you're building a character who chose to become a rogue so they could sneak around and find the hidden things that bad people don't want found. Uh, wait, no. D&D 5e, that's not your pre-printed character sheet you were handed. 5e can suck a troll's dick. <laughs> it is terrible. It is it is super terrible. The game basically does everything but play itself for you. In my humble, less than humble opinion, <laughs> humble you. <laughs> no, like I have purpose. Like you guys mentioned earlier, Stump. I mm -hmm. purposely built him to be a fail bot because I was going through a phase of that kind of time and stuff. But <laughs> I built him specifically to have one offensive spell. At a movement speed of 10, and if I could have gotten that lower, I would have. He had one leg, and his good leg ended with a club foot. Hence the name Stump. And he only spoke in Goblin. No other languages. Understood Common, just fine. Understood Elvish, just fine. He was wicked smart. New Dwarvish, too. And Draconic. <laughs> he, was, he was a polyglot, basically. But he only spoke in Goblin. And the other players loved the shit out of that character. And it wasn't even, like, intentional. No. It was just like, yeah, this is Stump. What What are you after? Protect Stump! Protect me! Protect me! I'm weak sauce! Why are we protecting him? Because he's our... Mascot! Mas yeah, I became the mascot for our group, <laughs> you know? And, and that's one of the things that's great, because you can't get stuff like that from just, oh, it's just a vanilla character sheet. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. Yeah. You know, and, and just trying to make some things analog to reality things. We're not in reality, man. This is a fantasy thing. I'm trying to get away from all that. Races make things interesting. Star Trek would not be interesting without the other races. The opening cantina scene in Star Wars. Imagine it just being all humans. Oh, it would have sucked. It, oh, yeah. Everyone would have just glossed over it. Like... It would have been, oh yeah, yeah it's setting Lucas the scene. Yeah. So many people in costume in there, they had to raid the Halloween department. That's <laughs> how we ran got out of costumes. They ran he out of costumes. They didn't want any humans there at all. There was the bartender, 
and I think three people in the background that were humans, and one of them being Han Solo. Yeah. He went out of his way to make sure that that place was packed full of aliens. And that's how we got the Devronians, or Devilmen, and the Wolf People, is because they ran out of costumes. And it made it really interesting. It blew my mind as a little kid to see that scene for the first time and just see so many different kinds of aliens sitting around having drinks. Whoa! It made it awe-inspiring. Yeah. And then, like, later on, because Star Wars was a big thing for me, to learn that the Chiss were once humans but had wildly evolved and diverged away from what we know as humans. Mm -hmm. A different evolutionary path. That blows my mind. That was great. I loved it. When I first saw Jabba the Hutt, boom, my mind exploded. It made Star Wars more rememberable. It, it made it unique. It did. And that's... That's really all you can ask for when you're telling a story is but that it'd be remembered. Apparently now, according to the way they want role-playing games run, though, if I'm running a Star Wars game by whatever rule system, I cannot differentiate by the stat block any negatives between the Monokoyan monkey sitting at Jabba the Hutt's tail and Jabba himself. That... Hmm. That especially like when you th the game. It, especially when you think about the fact that he backhands the little yes. monkey at least twice and it goes flying. Yeah, the Kowalkin monkey with lizard. I love those things, by the way. I got a whole bunch at home in my life. He's uh, got the plushies. No, I don't have the plushies. Actually, uh, when I was playing Star Wars Galaxies, uh, after the servers went down and stuff, I um, dabbled a little bit in not exactly legit gaming but whatever yeah i just went out and i got a shitload of those monkey lizards and filled up my house full of them <laughs> but it does it hurts the story if you cannot have differences differences between your species or you know for that matter your characters yeah. your character is a character because it has its own uniqueness exactly however you bring that to be is irrelevant but it has its own uniqueness that's why they're a character otherwise they're a cardboard cutout Everybody in real life has their negatives. And to re remove your negatives from your roleplay world, I get it. That's... Hell, just by being in a, a game world alone is wish fulfillment. It's power fantasy. Yeah. Can you imagine Darth Blasphemous going jogging as he is right now? No. Can I go jogging as I am right now? No. Because both of us have negatives in real life. I play a character that has none of these negatives because there are times when I would like to run, but I can't. But at the same time, I recognize that, you know, in real life, I also have negatives to other attributes of mine. Do mm -hmm. I erase those? No, I work on them. You work on them and you work with them. Like, uh, what was it? Sun Tzu... Know yourself, and you'll win a hundred battles. Know your enemy, and you'll win a thousand. Something to that effect? Exactly. But that means knowing what their positives and their negatives are. If you're trying, like, using the Sun Tzu example, if, you're, you, if you know your enemy better than they know himself, then you're going to be able to exploit those weaknesses. Yeah, you're going to be able to predict your enemy. And if you know yourself, you know what your enemy is looking for. Exactly. Exactly. And by having races that are different phenotypes from each other, whether it's you know space elves or land elves, is perfectly fine. 
the space elves can have bonuses to resisting radiation, whereas the land elves can have better resistances against getting a sunburn. It's okay to have differences between different variances of the same species or race. Yeah, um, let's look at, what was it? Kasatha, right? So this is Starfinder. Okay, Starfinder. They're, you know, big, four-armed, uh, large-headed kind of folk. Very traditional, very almost archaic in the way that they keep themselves. That's funny. Um, Somebody's distracting us with the internet. <laughs> I'm trying to find things that are relevant to... A photograph of an airplane with a shark's mouth painted on the front of it is not relevant to today's topic. I am sorry, sir. <laughs> Badass, but not relevant. Now, well, you know, diversity in aircraft species matters. <laughs> no, it doesn't. The 737s are exactly the same as the 767s. The only thing is that's different is geography, economic environment, and education. <laughs> I am so going to hell. <laughs> you Don't knew worry, that years we'll ago. Too. That's where I'm earning my first class ticket. God damn it! I'm no going waiting. Uh, no waiting. I'm going there by rail car. God damn it! Because I want to go in style. They're just gonna hand you the parachute and say tenth level, sir. That's right. So, as I was trying to get to Kasatha, they have a couple of different variants, right? Uh, one of them is the native. So the Kasathans split into a generation ship. Some of them stayed on world, and then there's a third kind that's all been uh, that's been inhabiting inhabiting a new world, right? All three of these have very different blocks because their needs changed based on their environment. It's a lot like the argument that I used to have with uh, the guy I carpooled with when I was still working, and. He's Pinoy, Filipino, awesome dude, like, legit. This guy is one of the few people in the world I would totally go over to his house with a gun and back him up if he asked, because he's just that fucking awesome, right? And we're rolling around the car, and he would laugh almost every time that I would tell him that somebody called me a racist or whatever. He would just laugh his ass off, and he'd be like, hey, you coming over on Sunday? And I'd be like, totally. But uh, that aside... Uh, one summer, we're rolling along, and we just get out of work, and it is just... Fucking dog balls hot outside. Just, ugh. And he's walking around in the sun with his tank top off, just enjoying the shit out of it. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the truck, snuggled around the fucking cooling box. I got the AC turned on high, and I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And he's like, what? I'm like, of course it's your weather. You're jungle people. <laughs> and he just looks at me like, really, dude? And I'm like, come on, I'm mountain people. You know in six months our roles will reverse and you'll be hugged around this fucking box trying to stay warm while I'm walking around in the snow enjoying myself. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it happens every year. And he just shrugs and smiles because it was fucking true. Yeah. Every year, it's the same thing. When winter rolls around, I'm just taking my time, walking through the snow with my coat off, enjoying the weather. He's freezing his fucking nuts off, and in the summer, it's rolls reversed. I'm in the truck screaming. He's walking around outside enjoying <laughs> it. It burns! It burns! And so, yeah, it became a running joke with us. Like, he would look at me sometimes and be like, yeah, it's about mountain weather, people. <laughs> yeah, the weather's about mountain people time. And I'm like, yeah, can't wait. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> and then, you know... I would pull the same shit on him. I'm like, oh, it looks like jungle people season. And he'd be like, fuck you. And I'm, you know, we would go back and forth with this, but 
we made the differences between each other not only a running joke, but it was, you know, basically us bro-fisting. Yeah. Well, not fisting, but, you know, fist-bumping. Yeah. There we go. That's the word you yeah, want. Yeah, was... It was our way of verbal fist-bumps, right? And we were all in on it. Like, all the other Filipino dudes would just laugh their asses off, because, you know, I'd sit down at the table with those guys, because they were a lot more fun than most of my other co-workers. And we would say this kind of shit to each other, and it was totally cool. Because there was that mutual respect between each other. Right. Despite our differences. And we can translate this kind of mutual respect into our fantasy worlds where you can have an elf sit next to an orc. The orc can make a comment about the elf, and the elf can just let it roll off his back and be like, orcs being an orc. Or vice versa. The elf makes a comment, and, you know, the orc's like, elves are gonna elf. Whatever. They can still have a mutual respect. They're they're adventuring together. They're saving each other's lives. It's good for the storyteller and for the game. Right. If they just let their differences be just another facet of their character, but not a defining attribute. And that's that's the beautiful thing. Is like, I'm starting to rant. I'm gonna let you go. The the funny thing is, is like the party dynamics, right? When have you known a D and D party, unless the GM has explicitly laid it out? To be mostly just humans. Or not even just that, just any single race. Doesn't exactly. Even have to be humans. When is it all elves? Usually when the GM is pissed off. Usually, yeah. Or it has a specific reason. Like, hey, we're going to go through this storyline of these characters way back in history so that you understand what's going yeah, on. Like my right? GMs have done it for two reasons. Uh, first reason is the GM is pissed off at us because everybody's playing snowflakes and we don't like dialogue or communicate between each other. So apparently the only way to make us actually play the game together as the game is intended is to take away that snowflake aspect or they're trying to play something that's more historically accurate. Right. And the other, the third option is it's a story flashback. This is a sub campaign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. That's... Or there's another reason for the thematic necessity of it. I mean... Like, when we were playing Vampire at first, we were all humans because we turned into vampires. Right. You could obviously turn into other things, fucking werewolves. One of you just so happens to be inherently magic. One of you was really a fucking zombie the whole time. Someone dies, they come back as a ghost, you know. There's so many options where you can take it from there, but to do it as a starting point. Same with running where everyone is a fucking level zero villager, and then they go into their first level of whatever their class is, because it's the same thing where to have everyone start off the same, or if it's thematically necessary for the world. This is before we knew elves existed, or the worlds were separated and we're in a no fucking human area, so everyone has to play an orc. And... Exactly. And these these themes are just as valid because they still tell a story. Absolutely. And the other thing is like, you know, back to the original point of this is groups of a single species just don't happen with enough regularity. Most you're going to get is two or three. And that's, you know, that's happenstance, right? If you've got a group of, say, six people, you might get two people playing the same race. Maybe? And well, that, yeah, and sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes players will coordinate and be like, oh, hey, we're siblings. So they already have yeah, their own they, in dialogue, yeah, and yeah, that's fine. They have their own in. Yeah, there's... And especially in science fiction and fantasy, like, except for Conan, uh, the original movies, the good ones, you know, that was very human-centric, 
and it was a time of low magic. Uh, they do have their explanations as to why it was mostly humans and like the odd ones out were really fucking odd. That's what made Balsa Doom so great was the fact that he's a dude who can shapeshift. He was so out there and he was just like any other normal guy. He made mistakes. He was fallible. And as a villain to admit he's fallible about the Riddle of Steel, that was just fucking mind-blowing as far as writing goes. Yeah, yeah. And it made it all the more interesting. And he still had his flaws. The hero had flaws. He got nailed to the Tree of Woe. So even Conan, the biggest, baddest, meanest motherfucker on the world, running around Aquilonia, chopping shit up, has a bad day. It's okay mm-hmm. for your character to have a bad day, regardless of what race they are, because everybody's got their negatives. So you had a bad day. So you had a bad day. <laughs> no, he's over there singing Blame Canada. <laughs> he's nailed at the Tree of Woe, watching uh, Subutai. Watch, Goddamn Canadian nails. It's the, it's the Canadians. It's their fucking nails, eh? <laughs> Undermining our, the Riddle of Steel. What's the Riddle of Steel? <laughs> Don't ask that in uh, China right now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, back to reality but, land of but, our games. Anyways, when it, when it comes to it, you know, it's the spice of life you know it's like saying well when i cook i'm not gonna use pepper or paprika or garlic or onion i'm gonna use nothing but salt just salt it's not garlic salt it's not fucking orange salt it's not lemon salt no it's just regular salt that's all i'm gonna season anything with makes everything bland and terrible and gotta let shit exist as it is i like to have Carrots and parsnips. I like to have broccoli and cauliflower. It's not a one or the other thing. I really like cheese pizzas. But if I had a cheese pizza every fucking day because pepperoni is a negative to me, so I won't eat pepperoni and anchovies are a negative to me, well, then I'm missing out on protein and I'm also missing out on omega-3s. I should have a little bit more variety in my eating habits if I'm just eating pizza but you know what I don't eat just pizza I want other foods too yeah and you know that's another thing like cultural food right we're talking about these alien species they're going to have their own unique cultural food items oh absolutely watch any episode of Voyager where um try I should say to watch any episode of Voyager (laughs) where Neelix talks about food Neelix is always talking about some sort of weird thing he's uh, coming up with, or a cultural dish. Or or just something that he's tried. He's very yeah. Epicurean. Or, or even going to DS9 when they open the food court, and they have the first uh, fucking Klingon oh, yeah. food joint. The Klingon McDonald's. Yeah. yeah, and how the guy breaks out in uh, Klingon opera, the chef does. And he, he's serving up subpar gawk or whatever the hell it's Yeah, called. he's serving subpar god to Dax, who cusses him out in Klingon. Mm-hmm. And then he serves her, like, real good gaw. That makes it more interesting. Right. And that's that was just in one species. And that was just in one species. You, you go to other things, too, where you have, uh, what's his name, the shapeshifter guy? Odo, yes. Odo. Where he's trying to experience food for the first time when he is no longer a shapeshifter, when he has his power taken away from him, which I find weird. But he's trying to experience food and things for the first time, and they keep throwing stuff. They had fucking alien beets. Who the fuck would have thought of that? It's just fucking beets. Or they had, uh, of course, if we're going to go in the Star Trek route, they've also got the episode where Q becomes mortal. 
He goes from having absolutely no negatives whatsoever to like, having all the negatives by being human, which is way down the, the food chain from being part of the continuum. Of and being he, the continuum. Yeah, he learns from it, though. Mm -hmm. He learns from the uh, experience of what it's like to have such negatives. He grows as a character, and that's one thing that's really important, is regardless of what species or race, even if you're just a normal boring human or a basic bitch elf, if you or have negatives, dwarf. it's something that you can use to build up on your character. It's a challenge you can put in the story. For yourself. For yourself, or just, hell, it's a game. Games are supposed to be challenging to begin with. And if you've got a competent GM, they're going to provide you challenges that are not going to cripple you above and beyond what's necessary because you've taken a negative. Yeah, Part of a GM's job is to make it fair and balanced. That's one thing I want to do with the game we're looking to do or the next time I get a game group together, next time I join a game even, is stats. Just 3d6. You take what you get. Um, uh, you should see me roll stats, dude. Everything is a negative. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? I will you fucking can get roll an 18, it. or you can get a fucking 3. I, That's I'll, your worst case scenario. My worst case scenario is I'll come up mostly with 6s and 8s. But you know what? If it you really want to see me... game. Hey, I will do it. I will, you know, if I do that, I will be like the out-of-work porter. <laughs> who just decides to go adventuring because he's tired of lugging crap around and realizes that... Being an adventurer is really hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you learn that, hey, I was just a villager, you know, not even carrying shit every day. I was doing whatever shit job it was. And now, oh my god, being out in the rest of the world sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's like a reality slap at that point. Basically. Like, it's like, Man, I had it good. I had a stable job and a stable paycheck, and all I had to do was move a box from one end of town to the other end all day long. That ain't so bad. And Fucking dragons, though? I didn't have to uh -huh. worry about dying in my sleep because of random trolls. Jesus, shit fuck. I knew I should have stayed home. Now I'm an adventure. My life blows. And the whole reason their adventure got started is because a whole bunch of orcs went through and destroyed the town. But the town was built on an old orcish burial ground. So who are the real villains? Oh my god, did you just go there? Yep, I pulled out that old fucking gem from the Lone Ranger series. I think that was like episode 7 or something. Destroyed the town because they built it on an Indian burial ground. Oh, no. Yeah, you said orcs, though. I mean, like, what's next? And? Is the Lone Ranger going to give the orcs blankets? <laughs> Holy shit, we are going dark places this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to apologize to our listeners who are still tuned in right now that I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it. we've gotten to the point in discussing about races where it's like, we've gotten our good points out of the way, so now I'm just in random pointing. But it well, is a thing where you can go beyond the usual tropes. Who I, are the real bad guys? Get introspective on shit. Yeah, oh, the yeah. real bad guy is not defined by race. No, and that's he isn't. A, the problem with what's going on with role-playing games in general right now is they're making everything about race, mm -hmm. real-life race, not just fantasy race. Yeah, and uh, it gets it gets into everything in a negative way. It does, and it's hard for everything to be. You have one of everything, basically tokenism. When you're living out in the middle of fucking nowhere, and everyone who lives there. Their grandparents and great-grandparents built this little town out in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
because it had a coal mine or it was a Passover place for people heading west or it just so happens to exist that way it's a pit stop for truck drivers. When those places were done, no one was thinking, hmm, I need this many of this and this many of that. People just went where they went, and you got to roll with the punches and take things as they come. Well, some of the best uh, story stories that I've heard recently, uh, we, we all pretty much know about the necromancer story, who was the good guy. Mm -hmm. you know, a necromancer who was trying to do the right thing through necromancy, and the player characters were absolutely screwing up his plans, and it turned out the player characters were the bad guys all along. Because they were a bunch of fucking murder hobos. Yeah. And the good guy was actually the necromancer raising the dead. To take yep. the yoke of burden off of man. To the take living. the yoke of burden off of man. So that man can better himself. Well, because the, also they would make it through the next couple of winters because of a plague. There was also a story I heard recently about a lizard folk who dressed really elegantly and spoke politely and calmly about everything, but was a raging serial killer, which made the players cat, uh, question about the morality of right and wrong and like broke the paladin because of this crap yeah and don't it's not about race i mean it's great that it was a lizard folk or it was great that it was a necromancer but these stories could have been crafted in any other way shape and or form right so the true good and evil dynamic that we explore at our tabletop with dice in hand isn't based on whether your ears are pointed or not it's not right. based on whether you're pink skin or not. Yeah, it's not based on whether or not you're you bleed green or you bleed red. Mm-hmm. Or, or any if other you bleed color. at all. Or if you bleed at all, fucking warforged. <laughs> no, they still bleed. It's just oil. It's not oil. I meant constructs, but whatever. Hey. Or druids, they bleed granola. <laughs> <laughs> Druid fluid. <laughs> Say that three times real Have fast. Have you checked your druid fluid lately? Yeah. <laughs> your druid fluid seems a little low. Should have brought this bad boy in at your 1,000-mile uh, checkup. Well, no. <laughs> it's everyone around you needs to get their druid fluid checked because, you know, there's a cringe limit. Once you get past 30,000 cringe, you know, you got to get it checked. Uh, I think the worst would be the horny bard slash druid combo. Oh, God. Ooh. A bardic druid? Yeah, a bard druid. Isn't there a hybrid class for that? That is the last character I want to see visit the fucking zoo. I tell you what. <laughs> Pun intended. Wild shape. Wild shape. Wild shape. No hole is off limits <laughs> when you can wild shape into a spider. <laughs> a spider? <laughs> yep. Oh my god. I'm a sexual trapdoor spider. <laughs> but I ask permission first. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine that if somebody was playing like a, a an Ananasi in the uh, Vampire the Masquerade old uh, oh Werewolf God. the Apocalypse game uh, published back in the late 90s, early 2000s. If they were playing a trapdoor spider that had to ask for permission first before doing the, the trapdoor spider technique of grabbing somebody and pulling them into the, their lair. I can so see like, it. Someone walking up and this consent form comes slowly down. Yeah, I need consent <laughs> to surprise attack you and, and turn you into my food. I'm a spider person. I need to eat. I'm sorry, but can you please consent? What? <laughs> no, it gets weird. Shit gets weird, bro. Shit. Well, shit gets weird in any game when you, uh, the moment you invite players to come sit at the table. Valid. <laughs> Valid. Yeah, yeah, and we're not just talking about whatever the bard is into. It's true. Yep. Uh, I've also had characters into some weird shit, but I'm saying, and it, and the thing is, like. 
all the stories you guys have heard about me and my characters over the years, I might include the character's race, but have I ever made their race a focal point of the story? No. Like, or Scott, me. let's take Stump again. You know, your your whole point was, how the fuck do I be useless? Yeah. How the <laughs> fuck do I be useless? Or when I was playing Evel Fouquet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I blew up my dog, and I made a heel check with a hatchet, and I saved someone's life in one sitting. But none of those decisions were based on my negatives of being a tiefling. They were based <laughs> on my character's decisions as he would as a person. He saved a person's life because he wanted to go down in Legends as a, um, a hero. A hero. So he saved one of his teammates' lives because he won't have a legend if... He doesn't save people, especially his own team. He blew up his dog to save his team. He loved that goddamn dog, and he hated the rest of the party for making him blow up his dog. And... It was a tiefling. But that didn't matter. Yeah. That did not matter. This you want to the first time? Because you're not fucking basic. He <laughs> was tiefling because it was funny to me. Yeah, that that's the only reason I, I chose Tiefling because I was like, it goes with the name. Yeah, and it was funny because I wrote his name out right, and everybody looks at my, the GM, you know, and everybody else who saw my character sheet looks at it and says, "Your character's name is Ev Evil Fucker," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 it's Evel Fouquet." <laughs> don't church it up on me. Your name's Dirt. Don't don't <laughs> don't speak my character's name in your basic language of your common tongue where you screw things up. It's pronounced Evel Fouquet. <laughs> don't you bastardize my don't name. Don't you bastardize my name. And it was just more entertaining to make him a tiefling. So that was it. Like the character just wanted to go down in the annals of history and glory. And to do that, he had to be a team player. He was evil as shit, just like his name said. He was a tiefling, which made him evil as shit, just as the name said. But on the outside, he was the greatest guy you'll ever fucking meet, and he was totally a team player, totally for the party, and would talk the good characters into committing atrocious, murder, things. atrocious things for the greater good. <laughs> so he was lawful evil. No, actually, he was neutral evil. Really? It was all about him in the end. Getting yeah. that statue over his crypt so people would rem remember him through the eons. Power trip. Not even a power trip, glory trip. It was a glory trip, but Ego you know trip. what? He wanted to make sure that when adventurers came along to rob a tomb, that when they found his, it would be the most glorious tomb they've ever plundered. They would talk about the legends of things they found in his tomb, not just the tomb itself. So he'd go down as a double legend. Oh, yeah. He was setting all of this shit up beforehand because it was all about him. But it wasn't about the fact that he had horns. Yeah. Or that I, as a player, looked at the character sheet and realized that his intelligence score was rather low. <laughs> he had a shit ton of charisma. He had a lot of self-confidence. Oh, yeah. He had enough wisdom to pull it off. He just didn't exactly think things through. <laughs> You give him a long-term plan, he's going to screw it up. But at the moment, yeah, he'll figure something out on the spot. There's a whole lot of course corrections, I'm sure. There, there was a lot of course corrections. <laughs> yeah, he had negatives. I, I, I put his stats down as anybody else would put their stats on their character sheet. And it was a great character. But I did not make his race a focal point. I did not make the race of Cho, my druid. 
a central focus. The central focus of that character is they were a secret agent betraying the organization they worked for to work for the other organization, thus making her a double agent, but secretly spying on them for the original organization she was betraying. Thus, she was a triple agent. And the only thing she cared about by playing both sides of the, I, the war against each other, of being a triple agent, is in the end, she just wanted her mountain. She was doing all of this to keep her mountain from getting invaded by people wanting to set up a logging village. That was it. Yeah. Oh, she happened to be an Azamar. <laughs> not relevant. But that was not relevant to anything that was happening in-game. Wasn't she also, like, half-ogre? She was half ogre too, <laughs> so she was built like a cheerleader, but butt ugly. Speaking of which, we are ogre an hour. Oh, we're ogre an hour. <laughs> well, I guess we so. don't want to be dragging this along. That's right. Oh, but all the fun is giving wings. Well, all I'm gonna have to say then, what I'm gonna have to do is go watch Gorn Hub some more. <laughs> Brain there, done that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek button. I feel like you're mocking me. Ooh. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> Isaac, what you did there? <laughs> We're ending today's episode with some puns because we need some levity because... God damn it. What's happening with role-playing? Everything wrong and sad. This is the hobby that I loved so much, I bought the fucking company. Literally. Five years of my life, I spent behind the counter slinging books and dice to hungry customers who wanted more game fun. Yep. And now my hobby has turned into just a complete shit show. So, yeah, we need puns. <laughs> Turbo puns. <sighs> I'll roll my dice so fast, Mother Nature will be like, Fuck you, no! And I'll be like, Fuck you, and roll a nat 20 and kick her with my energy legs. That's me, Game Goblin. Signing off, going back to my crypt. <laughs> Have a excellent game session out there, gamers. Uh, Kazakhan, back to the skies. Just of all the things, man. Darth Blasphemous, signing off. Two kobolds walk into a bar. <laughs>